0: Chapter Seven of Molly the Drummer Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Molly the Drummer Boy by Harriet Teresa Comstock. Chapter Seven: A Strange Christmas. Robert Shirtless sat beside a frozen stream, binding a cloth around his frosted feet. The shoes were in tatters, and the bare flesh showed through the gaping rents in many places. His clothing, too, was worn and thin, and but poorly protected him from the cutting blast. As he bent over his painful task, for one moment his strength faltered, and he almost wished that he had gone back to New England, with the other men whose term of enlistment had expired, and whose faint hearts had not been loyal enough to again pledge themselves for further service. The wish was but a fleeting one. Go back? What had he to go back for? all that he had in life to look forward to to lay near if it existed at all for during the time which lay between his leaving boston and now as he sat beside the delaware river in new jersey shirtliff had not seen or heard of morley but even with the memory of disappointment and bitter suffering to keep him company on this christmas eve robert was proud to think that he had been one of the three thousand men who had remained with their glorious leader for never was General loved by his soldiers more than was Washington. What they suffered, he shared. When their hearts grew faint, by his inspired courage, he lifted them to new heights of loyalty and hope. Where danger threatened, there was he at the front. His massy form a target for every enemy's bullet, and a mark of nobility for his followers. From afar, Robert had seen and worshipped. In his young heart, the love for this great man amounted to a positive passion to serve him though his services might never be known was the daily wish of the poor new england boy the wish was strong within his heart now and helped to keep back the stinging tears of agony which by near his tired eyes the men with whom he had been tramping in search of food had gone on ahead and robert sat alone presently a step startled him and he glanced up down the shadowy road leaning his weary horse Strode a tall figure with bowed head and moving lips. The boy on the path sprang up, all pain and misery forgotten. He stood ready to salute, for well he knew that gallant form. Never before had he been so near. The moment was fraught with keenest joy. But the approaching man saw him not. He was praying. It was no new thing for Washington to plead for help from a mightier power. All his men knew and honored him for his childlike faith bless us with wisdom in our counsels success in battle and let our victories be tempered with humanity endow also our enemies with enlightened minds that they may be willing to restore liberty and peace grant the petition of thy servant for the sake of him who thou hast called thy beloved son nevertheless not my will but thine be done amen the splendid head was raised, and in the glooming the clear eyes rested upon the boy saluting by the road. The great general paused. Good evening, lad, he said. Tis but a sad Christmas time for young boys like you. Robert tried to reply, but his voice failed him. Were you wishing for home? You look ill and worn. I will send you back. <gasps> no, no, sir. Shurtleff found strength at last i was but binding at my feet my shoes are not thick enough for these rough roads but i am strong and loyal washington smiled and then looked pityingly down upon the wrapped foot the blood already was showing through the new bandages here my son take my handkerchief he murmured it will help until you can procure better and take this coin when it is possible buy strong shoes robert accepted the gifts with flowing tears and put them to his breast for a moment there was silence then the deep voice added the marblehead fishermen are down the river about five miles could you reach them in an hour with a message yes sir robert's chance had come he would deliver the message in an hour or die in the attempt well simply tell them we are ready robert bowed saluted and then stifling a groan as they hurried away on his bleeding feet he ran into the gathering twilight and was lost to sight In less than an hour he had reached his destination the marblehead men understood the message they had done splendid service in the war before when bravery on the water was needed they were ready now they set to work to get every boat in their possession in readiness and all that night and the next day soldiers on horse and foot advancing from every direction made for the river the plan had been worked out in secrecy and now upon this christmas night the entire army enlarged by recent enforcements was to be ferried over the icy delaware in order to attack the british in trenton on the morrow it was a mighty and daring attempt but not a patriot questioned the leader who had planned it for ten hours the brave fishermen rowed to and fro in the darkness bearing their suffering loads but even while many were frozen and all endured untold agony from exposure and scanty covering not a complaint was heard to pass the brave lips the army was divided into three parts but with joy shirtless saw that he was in the command under washington which was headed for a spot nine miles above trenton from which point they were to bear down upon the unsuspecting britishers then making merry over their christmas cheer shivering and crouching in the stern of one of the boats robert thought of all the christmas nights he could remember there had been a few which had been bright and joyous but this one so full of pain and loneliness was the proudest one of his life the division under washington reached the opposite shore with slight delay the others were less fortunate but by eight o'clock the next morning washington's command and one under sullivan dashed down upon the astonished britishers who were just resting from their revels and shook the town by their yells and shots the maddened hessians sprang to line and tried to resist the oncoming foe Wild excitement prevailed, and above the whizzing of shot rose the triumphant shouts of the ragged, half-frozen patriots. In the thickest of the fray rode always the mighty commander, his clear voice calmly calling out orders and his steady hand pointing his sword. With eyes ever fixed on that brave form, Shurtleff stumbled and struggled after, hoping that standing or falling, at the end he would not be far behind his hero. And another thought mingled with that, He must keep one bullet in case he fell badly wounded. He never forgot that. The fight was fierce, but short. In an hour, a thousand of the foe were begging for mercy. The others had fled toward Bordentown at the first alarm. So Washington gathered his forces in Trenton, and the British fell back to Princeton. Cornwallis then took command, determining that the old fox, meaning Washington, should not find him napping and get away he the great cornwallis meant to put an end forever to the exploits of this staring rebel and indeed it seemed likely that he might be successful for sickness and cold were enfeebling the patriot army day by day their splendid courage strengthened by their late victory bore them up during the after days of suffering but washington realized that he must act promptly and wisely if he wished to hold what he had so heartily won he could not recross the river his proud spirit quailed at the thought of retreat but to engage in another battle just then might mean ruin in his extremity he called a council of war cornwallis is advancing he said calmly our skirmishing lines have but driven the british back this afternoon at daybreak the attack will be renewed there is but one thing for us to do the eager men listened breathlessly the glaring red torchlight showed their faces pinched and wan. What was it Washington wanted them to do? Every man was ready to do it. We have but five thousand in camp, a calm voice went on. We must leave tonight, make a circuit to the east, pass the enemy's flank, and make an attack upon the detachment in Princeton before Cornwallis can return to help them. A mighty cheer went up robert from his place wedged in among the excited patriots glowed and thrilled as he heard the daring plan this was a general worth following a man to be loved but he was still speaking though the shouts had drowned for the moment his voice there is one thing more to do and for that i want volunteers robert's heart almost choked him could there be any deed too great for him to undertake while we steal away and recover of the darkness others perhaps fifty must remain here to keep the fires burning and by beating the drums at intervals deceive the enemy at sunrise you may try to escape and join us if you are taken it will probably mean death now who volunteers the rich voice fell with a sad cadence and for an instant no one spoke then i i i forty or fifty men disentangled themselves from the mass and pressed nearer and from these a slim boyish form stepped close to washington sir he said simply i have been a drummer since the war began may i remain for a moment washington eyed the boy i remember you he said you have served me before you are young to attempt this service there are enough without you but sir i can drum so he can called out a man from the crowd no one can drum like molly and you wish to remain the general asked yes sir your name my lad robert Shirtliff. age seventeen your home i come from plymouth massachusetts have you parents i have no one sir you are a brave lad and worthy of your country report to me as soon as you can the clear eyes grew misty you and these other loyal fellows shall be rewarded according to the quality of your sacrifice they saluted gravely then the stealthy arrangements began silently through the night the men marched away bearing the stores and ammunition on their beats the british sentinels marched to and fro feeling sure of the enemy and during those long solemn hours a handful of men kept alive the fires in the deserted camp and a weary but unflinching boy beat almost constantly upon his drum His feet pained him piteously, and his stiff fingers could barely grasp the sticks, but his heart was staunch and true. As the night wore away, his exhausted brain grew unsteady. All memories came to haunt him and fill the empty hours. He saw a still form beside a lonely road. He heard the last words of the dying man, "'Go to Plymouth and find Debbie Mason. Tell her that her father died like a soldier.' he could never find debbie now perhaps ere another day had passed he too might be lying dead he might never find the boy for whom he had searched since he left new england never know the story something like a sob mingled with the drumbeats march british sentinels at your posts behind those gleaming campfires is a weak foe indeed see the morn breaks the handful of men forgetting the boy have already departed to rejoin their comrades only the faithful drummer remains sleep well O my lord cornwallis your last peaceful sleep for many a weary night the old fox has caught even you napping and is now well on the way to intercept the force which you so confidently expecting molly for a moment washington eyed the boy beat the drum bravely molly my boy see the sun is tinting the far east Go with the others. Your task is done, and in the future loving hearts will arise to call you blessed for this night's work. End of chapter 7